The episode today is a replay from Fringe Legal Edge. This is something that is broadcasted live on Fridays at 11 a.m. Chicago and 5 p.m. UK. Just in case you're not able to make those times, we wanted to present the conversation for your complete entertainment and enjoyment. Before we get started, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Fringe Legal Newsletter. This is a weekly roundup of interesting things. Every Sunday, I send out an exclusive email with three to five of the coolest things we've explored that week. It could include exclusive content, sneak peek at future projects, books, articles, or new hacks. Emails are available only if you subscribe to the newsletter, and more than 530 people receive it every single week. You can join up at fringelegal.com slash newsletter. It's completely free. Welcome everyone to Fringe Legal Edge. If this is the first time you're joining us today, this is a show where I have experts and leaders on to discuss things that will give your practice an edge. Today, I am absolutely delighted to have Janet Stanton, who is a partner with Adam Smith Esquire. Janet is an accomplished business person who brings her experience from diverse industries and professional service organizations to bear issues currently facing lawland. Prior to Adam Smith Esquire, Janet was a director of client relationship program at Oric. She was also previously a vice president at a global communications agency. And the best bit I found out about her was she was personally awarded a certificate of appreciation by the office of the secretary of defense. How cool is that? Today, we are going to be talking about all things about strategic client management. But first, Janet, thank you so much for joining me today. This will be fun. Thank you. It will be a lot of fun. My, my aim is to ask you some good it'll, questions. It'll be, fun. it'll be fun for Lawland nerds, but it will be fun. Absolutely. I think we will definitely be nerding out on this. I'm just going to ask you some good questions and shut up and let's just let you do your thing. So I guess to set the stage, you wrote an article around this to, to outline the, really the importance of strategic client management and why people should care. And one of the key takeaways from there, you quoted a Altman Wild survey, a research that said 51.7% of people change their law firms because of client service reasons. And if you look at everything else that was in there, it basically made it clear that from a client's perspective, having inadequate or bad client service experience was much more, basically the importance of client service trumps everything else, including things like your legal expertise. And so hopefully that frames why we're talking about this. It is something that has very real implications for firms and your clients. Before we dive into what that is, how would you define client management? What's the purpose it, behind it? It's pretty simple. It is uh, strategic client management is nurturing long-term profitable client relationships via more intentional efforts and collaboration. And I think it's important to understand that strategic client management goes well beyond the expert practice of law, because as that study and many other studies have shown, client service does is more important to clients than your expertise or your responsiveness or your cost or frankly, anything else. Yeah, and I think 
looking at past research, uh, and there's been plenty of research done around this, both within law firms in mind and just generally, and the consensus is the same, that if you go and speak to clients, one of the number one things they ask for, especially from law firms, is for them to collaborate and work together. And that has an end result of essentially the client receiving a much better service. Yeah. And actually, it's pretty, it's pretty common in other professional services industries. I spent a good deal of time. And lawland law firms seem to be lagging in that aspect. Yeah, I think you, you and I, when we briefly spoke about this before, shared experiences from outside of legal, from past roles on just how much importance other professions and other verticals give to strategic, strategic client management, right? They have very specific teams looking after their key accounts or their key clients, whatever else they label it as. And they have dedicated teams that are there to make sure you understand your client's business almost as well as they understand their business. And sometimes actually in even more depth because you're able to connect those dots together. With, without a doubt. And this is an area where in general, not all obviously, but in general, Lawland has lagged. So I, I joke that, that Lawland is actually in a very advantaged position because they are behind the eight ball and they can take learning from other industries and apply it to them other learning that has been proven. So they don't have to experiment quite as much. But Lawland has definitely lagged in there. And the clients are increasingly demanding that, and this doesn't sound unreasonable, that two lawyers working on a client should know what each other is doing. That's a pretty low bar, actually. Yep, very much. So let's dig into what do you think, and I don't want to you know, spend too much time speculating on the past, but what do you think there is this gap, right? Because it, when you talk about it, and actually, if you take an individual and you speak to them about these things, there's generally no disagreement that there are benefits to this. There's data to back it up, there's instinctual and uh, all sorts of you know, anecdotal evidence to back this up. Why do you think people don't do it? I think, the, I think it actually starts in law school, frankly. Law school, as com if you look at law school um, compared to business school, law school it's each person out for themselves. It's the class rank that really matters. In business school, everything is done in teams. So I think that notion of teamwork and collaboration is inculcated at a much earlier age than it is for lawyers. So, and lawyers who do well are the ones who have beaten out everybody else individually. So gosh, you've done pretty well. So it's worked so far, let's continue it. And is that starting to change? You guys exclusively only work with law firms. So I suspect that you, you know, have a pretty good grounding on what's been happening for the past decade or more. Is that, are you starting to see a shift where this is becoming a, at least a topic that's discussed more frequently, that there is an appetite to do something about it? Without a doubt. 10 years ago, when I joined Adam Smith Esquire, people were just not interested. And I think Part of that is that there's not a lot of pain in Lawland, on, again, on a broad scale. People are making good money. I mean, you're going to tell me I'm the average salary for the AmLaw 200 uh, partners is now something around $1.6 million. You're going to tell me I'm doing something wrong. What's interesting is in the last few years, there is a much greater interest. There's a much 
among the firms that are outperforming their peers, one of the macro trends we see is that they are running their firms in a more business-like way. And certainly clients are <laughs> the life's blood of any firm. And they're being more intentional about how these client relationships are managed, led, nurtured, expanded, because there is more competition. And if you're not servicing your client well, there are a lot of other firms that will. Yeah, and so I, I guess for the rest of the 20 minutes, uh, I wanted to dig into a little bit about A, why it is as important as a business, right? So if you consider the law firm as a business, but also because this is, of course, not unique to law firms, but certainly prevalent in law firms, as an individual, as a business owner within the law firm, as the partner, why do I care about this? To your point, if things are going well, right, then you have a massive barrier to change. Why do I want to change something that's going well and I don't really see it taking any sort of downturn anytime soon, right? It's not that demise is imminent in the next X time period. And then lastly, I do want to touch on what does this actually look like? And we can take this in any order, but I think perhaps starting at the benefits might be the best place to begin. Certainly, there's a boatload of data out of the inestimable Heidi Gardner, who I know has been on this show before, and she has made it her life's work to quantify the benefits of collaboration. And the benefits are not only to the firm. They're, first of all, they're beneficial to the client. They want this. They like this. And we should all be more client-centric. That's another thing we should be thinking about. So there is just boatloads of data from Heidi and others that collaboration is, yes, good for the firm. And lawyers may say, yeah, well, that's great for the firm. What's in it for me? And what's in it for the individual practitioners is that the more they collaborate, the more they work together, the stickier the relationship is with the client overall. And when you have a stickier relationship, you're not going to get nickeled and dimed as much. So actually there's data that for individual practitioners who collaborate across their firm, their rates are higher. So that's an individual benefit. The other very cool benefit is that working collaboratively contributes to the resilience of the firm and the success for individual practitioners, even during difficult times. And the last recession, which was well-timed for our recession because it's within memory, but there was time to learn from it, the people who were the best collaborate, the top 10% collaborators, really didn't hit a, hit a problem at all with the last recession. The next group of about 20% got a little bit of a dip, but they went back. The balance, 69% of partners did not recover their performance level anywhere close, even at the end of that last recession. So it's a, it builds in resiliency. You've got higher rates. You've just got a more stable firm and a stable life, frankly. Yeah, and for anyone who missed that conversation with Heidi Gardner, I would encourage you to check it out because she gives the view. We're focusing on law firms today, but she also specifically talks about the view from the in-house side and certainly the client side as well, where in her research, and this was a staggering 
a revelation for me at least, you found that when you are selling discrete services, as if you're, you're one individual selling just one service to a customer or a client, your aggregate revenue will increase incrementally from zero to about, I think it was 180 or 200,000, uh, or maybe yeah, $200,000. Whereas if you increase the collaborative efforts, then that goes from you know, zero to close to a million for the same client. That's it's, it's really fair. astonishing. Yeah. It really is amazing. Yeah. And it requires, it, yes, it does require a mindset shift, but you're not asking to go in and upend everything. It is more about sometimes doing the simpler things. Uh, you know, keep each other notified of what's happening, right? Work on, if you are working on the same client account, everyone should be on board with what's going on. No one likes it when you have 20 different people speaking to you and saying 20 different things. Yeah, it, it seems pretty basic. I think, a lot, I think a lot of lawyers will say, I'm not a business person. This is, I'm a professional. I have a newsflash. You are both. Yeah, very much. And your other point that you made, if you, and there is again data to support this, that in absence of having some sort of a strategic client management focus, people start talking to you about fees and costs a lot more. When people yeah. feel that you are actually serving their needs, they care a lot less about how much you're charging them because they perceive the value received to be much higher as well. Yeah, when there's no, when there, let me just expand on that. You know, in the absence of good client service, what is left for the client to focus on? except price. Yep. And therefore you become a commodity and that's not what any professional wants to be. Yep, very much. And, I, and you talked about that being more client centric. That's absolutely important. You have to ultimately, you're in a professional services profession for the most part, you have to think of your clients as your asset. That means that, and this is true of almost every single professional services driven industry, you are going to get the most amount of business from existing client base. So if you're not looking after them as best as you can, you are doing both yourself, your firm, and your clients a massive disservice. And it's an important point, right? These are relatively basic things when, that you learn in business school, and somehow they get missed when you come to a law firm because everyone feels that things are very different. Things are different, no doubt, but they, the standard laws of business still apply. And I think another important point that may not be recognized. And this again has been confirmed in boatloads of studies, both in law land and other, as you call them, verticals. Revenue from existing clients is, tends to be almost always more profitable than revenue from new clients. So a lot of times there's not glory in expanding a relationship as there is in snagging a new client. That said, it's, more, it's, it's almost always more profitable business. And what a lot of lawyers don't understand is not every single dollar of revenue is equal. And you do not put your kids through school or, or buy your dog's dog food out of revenue, you buy it out of profits. Yeah, uh, that's so important. So, let, if I'm focusing on this, if I'm focusing on creating a, a plan around this, what are some items that we think about? Are we thinking about teams? Are we thinking about how do we measure the metrics? Are we thinking about how do we recognize individuals that are doing a good job of this, whatever that means? 
how do you start thinking through the, I guess, the core elements around this? I, I think before we get to the core elements and, and, and you touched on some of the key ones, I think it's really, it's, there's a very important headset change that has to occur. Managing partners, firm management, exhort their partners to sell. And it usually falls on deaf ears because professional lawyers hate to sell. That said, lawyers love to serve. So we suggest the mindset of cross-serving versus cross-selling. And this is not just a, a semantic change. Cross-serving starts with the client's priorities. Cross-selling starts with what the firm wants to have happen, which may not have any importance or value to the client. If you really understand your client's priorities, their business, as I've said, better, almost better than they do, you will know exactly where your firm can help that client. And then, and the other thing on the flip side, clients hate to be sold, but what they really do is when their professional outside service providers come to them with a business solution. That is solutions, again, a client-centric a service element is also more valued than legal expertise or cost. Clients don't want technical legal answers. They want business solutions. And the best way to be able to bring a business solution is to work in a team because in this highly specialized world that we all operate in, it's almost impossible for an individual to be able to bring a valid business solution to their client. So again, this is another reason for collaborating, but this headset of think of it differently, it's not cross-selling, it's not, hey, you know, new tax guy, let's go out to the client. It's having an intentional, purposeful, strategic discussion with the client based on your very good knowledge of what their issues are. And that is a true partnership between lawyer, law firm, and client. Yeah, and I would argue that actually being a bit more business focused uh, in so much as understanding the business problem they're looking to solve will actually improve the quality of your legal advice because it becomes more relevant to what they're looking to do. Oh, um, absolutely. It becomes yeah. on target as opposed to random and ad hoc. Yeah, exactly. And the legal advice is important. Of course it is. And it should become almost the, here, here is the executive summary of how this will help solve the problem. And here are the details that you can pass on to your general counsel so we can make sure that legally you're squared away as you need to be. Yes. Perfect. All right. Yeah, so, do you want to touch on some of the core elements? Yeah, some of the, so there are, there is not a, a strict canon of what's included. Ab talked about some of the elements. To me, the most foundational element is a robust client feedback loop. This will help you understand the client, understand where you are with the client. And so that to me is the foundational element. And many firms have zero client feedback at all. And the other point is to have this feedback, it should be gathered centrally. Even if 
if a lawyer, if a, an associate and, and some somebody more junior in-house, if they have a beer, if they pick up intelligence, that should be included. It should be gathered centrally and it should be it should be regularly reviewed by the relationship partner, by the, the entire team that's working on it. Are we making progress? Are we getting better? So that to me is the most foundational element. The other element that often gets overlooked is an annual client service plan. And that is an action plan of how you are going to service that client that year. And in that plan, it should be very simple because it, just do a plan on a page. What are the, again, you have strategies for that particular client for that year, what you want to accomplish, your goals. You have some key strategies. We want to expand our, we want to grow the share of wallet from them. We want to have more contacts there. So those are your overall strategies. Then you will have specific tasks to achieve those strategies. And those tasks should have someone responsible to do it and timing. And this includes two of the elements that I've just mentioned, which are metrics and accountability. And th again, the team or the relationship partner should track the progress regularly throughout the year. And again, this is very much how clients run their businesses. They have plans, they act on them, and you may need to make a mid-course correction, which is fine, which happens all the time. But that's a key element Teams certainly are important, again, sharing the data, informing each other, accountability, metrics, recognition is important. And that can be either qualitative, look what these guys or women did this year with this particular client. And it can also, and what really has teeth is recognition and compensation. And there are law firms who are in their compensation system, recognizing collaborative efforts and improvements on clients uh, because of that. They, they reward sharing, exporting and importing clients. So again, there are lots of ways to do that and it may differ by a firm's culture, but those are the key elements. Yeah, and I assume I shouldn't make assumptions, but I will in this okay. case, that these are all things that once you've at least drafted it or as you're working on this plan, you are working on this together with your client, right? So of course, you, you need to have client input. You need to have, you, again, it's a way of engaging in a business-like way with your client. And, they, and everybody loves talking about their business. People love talking about their business. And if you can have a credible discussion with them, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing this year with you, Mr. or Mrs. Client. And that's the kind of engagement you want to have with your clients. Yeah, And I'll, I'll caveat that. I think everyone loves talking about their business when they don't feel like they're being sold to. When Absolutely. they feel like it's a yes. genuine conversation, people yes. will open up. They, they want to invite you in because guess what? They're working with you or they want to work with you. And if that, if giving you information means that they receive something that's two, five, 10 X better, they will happily do that because it only benefits them in the end. Yeah. They, they're, they are passionate about their business. People live and die for their business. Yeah. So if a smart person can come in and say, 
hey, we had this idea. And even if they don't necessarily like that particular idea, the fact that you went to the effort that you thought about them, it may be called business to business work. It's it is still people. Yeah. How can you make your client look good? Yeah, uh, and, uh, exactly, and that, that works at a both individual and a business level for sure. Yeah. yeah. As you, uh, we have about five minutes left. One of the things I wanted to cover because I don't, I don't want people to think that this is so new and novel that we are bringing a brand new idea. I know firms are doing this, and I. I don't want you to speak about specific firms, but as you think about this, where firms have executed on this plan and you touched on some of them, for example, including comp as part of the recognition package, how did they initially get that mindset changed? Because you need to get the management committee or the, the heads of a practice or whatever it might be on board to work in this way, because it does require there to be alignment from top down and bottom up in order to actually do this well. First of all, it's incremental, but it also requires resources. So we recommend <clears throat> that you cannot expect individual partners to all of a sudden start doing these things. It has to be a commitment, not just in theory, but it has to be an investment, additional resources, additional business information about the client, financial information. So you need, so firms need to invest. And what we always recommend is that firms start with a pilot program. First of all, they're less scary <laughs> to lawyers than you know, something firm-wide all of a sudden. It also gives you a chance to learn and see how it will fit in each firm's culture. But we always recommend piloting new initiatives. And then what happens, you obviously you pick the first people who are more amenable towards it. You get some early wins, you make sure people know about it. And one advantage we have is that lawyers are very competitive. So if something is working for somebody else, they're going to say, hey, I want what she's having. That's how it builds throughout a firm. And then after a while, it becomes SOP. The other way to encourage this is, again, through compensation. If some people are getting compensated more for doing this kind of work successfully, yeah. that will be another impetus to encourage other people to try it. Yeah, and I think all of this. Thing, the other thing, this is a whole lot easier than the practice of law. The practice of law is hard. A lot of this stuff is not hard. Yeah. And it does I, not all have to be done by the partner. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that that's the key thing, right? As you, especially as you are speaking to the partners, I think that's a very important message that, look, we're asking to do this, but you only have to do a small bit of this the whole thing that we're doing gives you more resources so you are able to frankly get a larger amount of profit from the same client and so you do have to convey that in a way that's beneficial to them and the i, I like the idea of the pilot and you talked about the feedback loop before i think that becomes extremely important as you're piloting because yeah. you do need to learn and adjust to it because it'll be it'll, there'll be nuances that, that vary from firm to firm as Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So we've got through what it is. <laughs> we've got through why, how to get started a little bit. 
We talked a bit on collaboration, which is important. And I guess the last thing is, are they, are there any sort of, I guess, pitfalls for lack of a better word, things to sure. watch out for as you're putting this into practice? Sure. There are pitfalls. You might hear, first of all, it takes a while to see you know, financial results. That takes a while, but there are leading indicators you can look at that can help you. So if in fact you are expanding the number of partners or practice areas or offices that are meaningfully engaged with the client, that's a positive. You're going in the right direction. Another leading indicator is we have more contacts, meaningful contacts. That's an important word, at the client. Another leading indicator is that we are getting higher quality work from the client. So again, these can help you understand that you are making progress even before a big financial windfall. And again, it'll be, it'll be over time. So it does take perseverance. And we think it's helpful to look at these leading indicators, which give people hope because lawyers are, they think it's not working. It's not working. Well, it is. If, if you, and conversely, if you see a diminution in some of those criteria, you got to think, are we doing something that's not, that's not right or it's not working or whatever. Um, so that's a big uh, one. The other obstacle is firms not resourcing enough. And that's probably where I've seen most uh, attempts at this fail. There will always be lawyers who say, that's great for everybody else, but not me. Yeah. And I quote our president Reagan saying, uh, trust, but verify. So again, it's a question of working with the partners individually, you know, helping them with their individual plans, their individual action plans, and letting them know that they're not there on their own. Perfect. I think that takes it just to time. So we covered quite a lot today, but this was very much the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I will encourage you to go and check out Adam Smith Esquire. You can Google their name and they'll show up for sure. There is hundreds and hundreds of articles uh, there uh, detailing this as well as other things. And uh, speaking to Janet previously, this is one part of like a, a whole range of services they provide only specifically to law firms. So I'm sure uh, if this is something that you want to explore further, get in touch. And uh, I'm sure that Janet and otherwise will be able to provide you a lot more guidance and specific to your firm. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Before you go, please share this with one other person and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. This podcast was produced by me, Abhijat Saraswit. Paula Krasostomu is the manager for the show and Pretty Saraswit is the content strategist. You can listen to all previous episodes and reach out to us at fringelegal.com. Thank you.